Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You alright? Yeah, I'm alright. You alright? I'm alright. Yeah. Well, it's... What's today? May 1981. Yeah. It feels like this has been the longest since we've recorded. How long has it been? Maybe five weeks? Yeah, maybe no, Yeah, yeah. maybe it is five, five or six weeks. Yeah. You been alright? Yeah, I've been alright, yeah. Good. Yeah, I had some good news. Good news yesterday. Go on. Uh... You don't know how much you want something until you actually get it. Right. Someone sent us a link for it on Twitter. Top 10 list of extreme controversial bands. And I normally think that anything to do with lists on the internet, you know, your po- your other podcast yep. accepted, obviously, yep. is just one of these, you know, like a clickbaity thing. Yeah. Just to get people, you know, just content, just filling yeah. up, filling up dead air. Yeah. But on this occasion, it was really well written. Okay. Yeah, and it had a lot of integrity. But it was the top 10 extreme controversial bands. And to my surprise, as I scrolled down past Sleaford Mods, past the Goat Girls, yeah. past Pussy Riot, yeah. who's nestling at number one? Gary Glitter. <laughs> Glaring omission you've just spotted there. <laughs> He weren't that controversial till the end of his career, was he? Yeah, but that kind yeah. of that kind of did signal the end of his career. So you've had a number one, quite literally, yeah, on Listverse.com. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm acting surprised. I, I read it yesterday, and I thought it was fucking great. That means a lot, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what. I mean, we've been chatting for about an hour before we've pressed record, so I don't know why we didn't even mention that because that's big news, isn't it? Because oh, you spent fucking twenty five minutes telling me about your UFC fight you've had <laughs> on your other podcast. On the <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, okay, I'll put my hand up. I have my hand up for twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Well, um, I mean that's great, isn't it? Yeah, it's all right, isn't it? It's just fucking just nice, isn't it? Do you think? You're the most controversial. Um, I mean, the re- they referenced wiping your ass on a picture of the Queen. Um, a Savile-related thing as well, didn't they? Remind. I mean, I, I, 
I'm trying to recall it, but yeah, the, the, yeah, it was the, just it was just all that. I mean, they, I, went in with, they went in with the big guns, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they picked the highlights. They missed out the Watkins one. Yeah, well, but <laughs> no, it's all right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. What uh, about you? Yeah, I've been all right. Yeah, uh, I did see um, the pub that that we used to drink in um, growing up. Uh, I did see that they'd. Uh, have you had a look yet? Have we, have, have we spoke about this before, Anne? I'm not sure. The the Oaks New Garden. No. So, uh, Cunt and I used to drink in this this pub uh, called the Oaks, uh, where where you know ran where we uh, grew up, and uh, and it's not the nicest pub, is it? It's uh, it's it's a it's a bit tired now, and it was probably a bit tired when we was eighteen, nineteen, anyway. Yeah. Um. But I was out having my morning run, and I just see like a big sign on a chalkboard saying "Grand Opening Today, Beer Garden," and I just thought hmm, that could be good because it's. You know, I just thought give you a ring, we could go and have a drink in the beer garden. Might be nice. But I was always trying to. I was thinking to myself, so what is it like a rooftop garden? Like how have they managed this? So I thought I'm just going to go and have a look. So uh, on me run back. Uh, I run round the side, which was the entrance to their beer garden. Uh, their beer garden is... Uh, <laughs> see, I've been to a, a, a beer garden in between lockdowns in another pub in our area, which is kind of slightly nicer. Where we always used to have boys' beer, it's had a revamp. Yeah. And uh, and they have, like, the, the patio heaters, and they have, like, little kind of booths, and it's all very, very artisan and nice. And uh, And I just thought, I wonder if, like, the... The Oak has, has, has took, you know, a, a lead from that. What the Oak had done is got the furniture that has been there since we drunk in there in the early 90s <laughs> and just put it in the car park. And that was it. <laughs> it was just a load of shit tables in the middle of the car park. And as I walked around there, it was just two old geezers like, sitting there rolling fags, just fucking having a pint, freezing their fucking elderly ball sacks off. Well, it's in, uh, indoors outdoors, isn't it? Oh, it was fucking depressing. Now when you think, oh, mate, that could be good. We could have a little pint in their new garden. I thought you were going to say they've got a little square of fake grass or something. Well, like, you'd, you'd think that, wouldn't you? A little bit of fencing, little booth, little like something that went over the top, you know, to keep the rain off you. No, they've literally put the shit furniture that was inside outside in a car park. Anyway, we're here to discuss May 1981. So, do you want to start as ever with the charts? We always start with films, don't we? Do we? I know it's been six weeks, but we always start with films. I thought we started with music. No, we always, well, so say we always start with films, we always start with film. Right, okay. What's the film we're going to start with today? <laughs> the film we're going to start with today is Friday the 13th, part two. Friday the 13th, is that the Jamie Lee Curtis one? No, that's that's Halloween, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it is, yeah. Friday the 13th that's is... Jason, isn't Jason, it? yeah, but but as I understand from Wikipedia, Jason did, didn't become a thing until part two, you know, with a hockey mask and yeah. what have you. In, in the first film, I think it was just a... You know, a, a, a kind of slasher at a summer camp, and then uh, it turned out it was this Jason, and he became a thing after the second one. So you quite like them sort of films, didn't you? Do you know what? I used to really like them kind of films, and I used to watch a lot of them. But then I just sort of stopped watching them. And uh, scared? I've, huh? What scared? No. All right. 
Nah, I'm not really into this. Nah, turn it off. I'm not playing. This is boring. <laughs> nah, just turn it off. Turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, just I'll just stop watching them. I don't know why. I still, I still kind of like them. I still like to watch more of them, but just yeah. fucking just don't get me. Really, don't really get enough time. I watch that? more comedy stuff. Yeah, I know. You're, you know woke. You're, you're a woke man. You know it's fine to be scared. There's nothing yeah, wrong with being scared. It's just easy to go to sleep when you see something funny. <laughs> Oh. You're the one who used to shit your pants about horror films. No, I remember you fucking crying yourself to sleep, needing tomato soup. <laughs> I, uh, I do remember, like, um, I remember going round uh, Jamie Uzi's ass. Uh, and Jamie's uh, actually sent us a message. Jamie listens to this. And, oh, hi, uh, Jamie. Uh, uh, we, we all went round Jamie Uzi's ass, uh, and he had a pirate of I Spit on Your Grave. And uh, and that was like a legit eighties video nasty, wasn't it? Yeah, it's right up there, isn't it? Like, I mean, I've never seen Driller Killer. That was one of the other ones. Have you I, seen I, it? I saw Driller Killer because my my mum and dad used to have friends round every weekend, and they'd always get a video nasty out. Well, usually a video nasty, and they'd sit and watch it. And then like us kids would kind of put it on before my mum and dad got up the next day. And I saw, I saw Driller Killer. Like, probably when I was quite young. Because I always remember thinking it was like, that one was what one of the ones that's banned. Yeah, yeah, but it, that, they'd just ban things out of hand, wouldn't they? Because yeah. of the name, like, Driller Killer. Like, people yeah. were going to go down fucking B&Q, yeah. get themselves a black and decker, and go and start taking people out if they fucking watched it. Probably would have been Texas Home Care in 81. Yeah, you're right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it any good? Um, Driller Killer, not Texas. No, nah, it was fucking rubbish. Yeah, it was rubbish. Especially, like, it'd be better nowadays because he'd have a cordless. Oh, God, yeah. Wouldn't he have, like, a big extension lead? No, no. He would just have to kill people within a metre radius of where he was. was, (laughs) was It was just turning the handle. That's what it was a remake of, the 1921. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Like, but, like, the thing is, like, sticking a drill in someone is meant to be really shocking, but it's nowhere near as harrowing as, like, uh, what's the, f- the, the it depends. Firm? It depends where you stick it. Oh, yeah, good point. Did they put it up the whoopsie or something like that then? Everywhere. Ooh. Uh, and, and I remember, like, I hadn't seen... Like, I, 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 it was one of them things like Texas Chainsaw Massacre where I was like, you've seen it? Oh, yeah, I've seen bits of it. I hadn't seen it. <laughs> like, uh, but I spit on your grave, I thought was going to be a horror film. And I remember, like, Jamie's parents were at and... And we was like, yeah, let, let, let's watch I Spit on Your Grave. He was like, yeah, wicked. And like, and put it on expecting like some like haunted house thing. And I was like, oh my God. It was just a horrific, brutal rape scene. Uh, then followed by, obviously, a, 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 a big revenge like yeah. um, plot that just unfolds in the most brutal way. Yeah. Uh, chops a man's dinkle off. Uh, well, you know, some some would say fair fair play, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not really going to get into the ethics of it. Like you know, <laughs> it was just the horror of it that uh, I wasn't expecting. It preceded the Bobbits by twenty years. Yeah, and I remember just thinking, and I remember just thinking, like at the end, like everyone was like, Ooh. yeah, but I think all of us were like, Jesus Christ. A like, little bit, a little bit of my childhood has died inside. It really felt like that. It was, yeah, it felt like that kind of. I think I probably stopped playing with toys that day. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, that was yeah. Well, as harrowing. long as it weren't the day you started wanking. No, it wasn't. It definitely wasn't. <laughs> no, it weren't. I, I think if I, it was American Wolf in London, we was talking about. I probably have to think a little bit more on that. Jimmy. But uh, but we've discussed that we're not going to get turned on in this podcast. No. No, we did. We discussed just before we started. It's just a bad idea getting turned on in a podcast, especially when it's just two fellas sitting in a room on their own, just recording their podcast. Two heterosexual men, right? Yeah. If it was Elton John in years and years, that's all right. Yes, we just watched that, didn't we? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Okay. Uh, so, did you want to talk about Gregory's girl? Well, I just thought we should mention it because we mentioned Gregory's Girl last month, was it? Or the month before? You tell me off for being wrong. And no one had seen it. Oh, right. Okay. And so we've, we've now both gone on and watched it, haven't we? Yeah. Did you enjoy it? I don't know. It was about fucking six weeks ago, so I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, likewise. No, I, I, I did enjoy it. I, I, I like the... Uh, I, I particularly like our times of change because there was a lot of sort of cheeky pedos in it, um, which... Nowadays, teachers rubbing their legs about the teenage girls and going, you know, it would be largely frowned upon. And it just kind of, you know, it was just a bit bit of a kind of reminder how times have changed. The one thing that I took from there was, have we spoken on this podcast about them old school goalie gloves that were yellow with the black... uh, We've spoke about it about five times, and every time I've said to you we have spoke about it, you've always had that pair that you wanted... He had them on. He had them on. And <laughs> we I mean, might have even talked... Did we fucking talk about this last month? I don't know. Is that this long is what ago? I can't even remember. A few, few beers for you start Whose recording. idea was it to have beers in a podcast? <laughs> fucking terrible idea. I'm, I'm beginning to get deja vu about this conversation. See, so I thought um, that the love interest in Gregory's Girl... I can't remember what her character's name is in it. No, uh, I'm no use. Um, but I just couldn't get beyond Claire Grogan. Yeah. It's like... It's Grogan, isn't it? Yeah. They ended up with Grogues, didn't they? I know, but like... It was just the whole thing was all about... You know... And I'm sure... Like... I can't think what the actor's name is that played Gregory. John Gordon Sinclair. Yes. Get in for the win. Uh, He... I mean, he was so... Spindly... With a big pigeon (coughs) chest... And was just like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just proper of its time, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but that was what that was what it was like being in love with someone at school in the eighties. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to rewatch Adrian Mole. Oh, definitely. Because like, I don't know if you can buy that anywhere or if it's you know it must be on YouTube somewhere or something. Like that. But I remember thinking like that was like. Did you watch that? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, watched it. That was something we we sat down and watched the family religiously. It was so... It was Julie Walters as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, and I can't think of the fellow who played his dad, and, and I don't know whatever come of that actor that played uh, Adrian Mole. No, I don't know. And Pandora. Oh. And he and Julie done the theme tune, didn't they? Yeah, of course he did. Good the 80s, wasn't it? It was, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You'd never get that now. No. Right. Okay, so should we move on to some tunes? Yeah, might as well. Uh, so I'm going to go for the week of the 24th of May, 1981. Okey-doke. Number one is uh, the Dandy Highwayman, uh, Adam, 
and his ants with Stand and Deliver. Yeah. What do you reckon about Stand and Deliver? It's not as good as ant music. But do you think that's in retrospect it's not as good as ant music? No, ant music's just better. Yeah, ant ant music is better, but do do you say that with the benefit of hindsight? Do you think at the time you would have liked Stand and Deliver better? Yeah, 100%, because it was about a dandy highwayman. Uh, he just looked fucking excellent in the video. He was a proper pop star, Adam Ant, wasn't he? Yeah, and and was Dick Turpin on then the Richard O'Sullivan show? I think it. I think it was. Yeah. And like the, the thought of like, you know, that that whole uh, Dick Turpin thing was like, and Highwayman was so fucking exciting. It wasn't was. It? it was. It feels really pedestrian now. Yeah, but, but it didn't then. Nah. And especially with that white stripe across your nose as well, he just looked fucking great. Uh, and yeah, and I, at the time, I would have, you know, just thought it was the best thing ever, Stand and Deliver. And I do think it's a fucking great song. Um, yeah, uh, number two, uh, Shakey's back. Is you drive me crazy. <laughs> was that a cover as well? I don't know. I don't what, know. Were all these songs? Was this old house a cover? Or were they just songs written in a 50s style? Right, do you know what? This is a bit guesswork, but I think this old ass wasn't was a cover, and I think maybe You Drive Me Crazy weren't. That's guessing, though, but I'm yeah. sure... For some reason, I think this old ass... I don't know. Messaging. Stars on 45. So that was like some kind of... Correct me if I'm wrong. Was that like... Like kind of some kind of covers band that just mixed up... Do you know what? I went... Down an internet rabbit hole last week on on an unrelated thing, and I ended up on Stars on Forty Five's Wikipedia. Right, right. So it was like a Dutch uh, producer stroke DJ, right, who he was away on holiday in America, and he heard this Beatles mega mix in a club, like in a disco club. Yeah. They'd basically just fucking stuck a load of Beatles uh, songs together yeah. in a club, you know, with, with a kind of beat to it. You know, like a bootleg. Yeah. And so he came back and he spoke to his mate at a record company and said, we should bootleg the bootleg. And they basically got a load of, you know, like a, a, a group of Dutch, you know, like session musicians and singers to replay the songs. And they they stuck a couple of other songs, it Bend Me, Shape Me, and a like, yeah. couple of other 60s songs, and then put that refrain in the middle. Stars on 45, yeah. keep on burning in your eyes. And, and it was just a massive fucking smash all over the world. So they just, they nicked someone else's idea, but it was a bootleg anyway, bootleg to bootleg, and had a fucking worldwide smash with it. Got to tip you out to that, really. Yeah, exactly. You? I used to play that when I was a wedding DJ. I'd play fucking Styles on 45. That was saying to get them all, get all the old fucking grannies up on the dance floor. It's, it's, it's bleak, isn't it? It's so bleak. We've both been there and done it. Just DJing at weddings, to just like... Did you ever like it? No, not once. Really? Not once. Not ever? No, no. I remember the first time I'd done it, I was really nervous. And like, and at the time, you'd play like a bit of Motown, a bit of Chain Reaction, and you know you'd get the mums up. Yeah. And then it'd always get to about half ten, and like you'd always get some pissed up dad who thought he was a little bit fucking tasty that start kind of just going to stick a bit out on me, son. And you just think, oh, this is just going to end bad. I, I just never enjoyed it. Yeah, but like even club DJing, there was always some pissed fucking idiot who'd, yeah, but, who'd grief you all the time. Yeah, but then just <laughs> when you got security. <laughs> no, but like when I don't know when I was club DJing, people would just fucking walk into the booth and just like. Well, what about that cunt at fucking Zens? <laughs> 
Oh, what, the Harry Enfield The work? one that fucking, <laughs> that I thought, like, literally, Cunt and I had done this club night. We got offered it, like, from these other, like, fellas that just couldn't do it. And so they said, do you want to do it? And so we, we set this night up. That should have been alarm bells ringing, wasn't it? Because yeah. when other people can't do something, there's always a fucking, in retrospect. Yeah. I mean, what, what was even more mental was the meeting to secure the night. Oh, you fucking, you put, you had a Walkman that recorded, didn't you? And you put it in your pocket when we went in and met the fucking gaffer at the nightclub. And, and like I say, I'm going to record the meeting. Like, apropos of nothing, there was no reason for it. You just decided you were going to record this meeting. But then, didn't you fucking press play or something? In the middle of the fucking, what was that? And nothing. He's wearing a wire. It was like, it was so fucking pathetic. Why was I recording a meeting with a nightclub manager and fucking dark? Hartford. It made no <laughs> sense, but we did get the night. Uh, and I, all I remember is like it was the one time where the same bored to tears hit home. Where I just thought, I'm that bored, I think I might cry. I've had loads, of, I've had loads of DJing experiences like that. And there was this cunt <laughs> that would come in pissed at about. I was at the point where I was probably verging on like just crying at about one o'clock in the morning and you just got that last hour of there being about fucking 30 just fucking just drunk Just wishing people. your life away and yeah. you're just watching the clock and you could you could play 20 records and look at your watch and it would, have on, it would have only moved fucking five <laughs> minutes. Yeah. Uh, and you didn't have mobile phones then. You couldn't sit there and just fucking play a game or just fucking look at the internet it was like you just had to endure it and this fucker would come up every week and he'd just lean over and he'd put his hand on my shoulder and pull me in a little bit too aggressively and just go I'm a believer the monkeys <laughs> and I used to just think you cunt I hated him but there was someone like that in every fucking I think every club I DJ'd there was one of them yeah. No, actually, no, probably like half a dozen of them. Yeah, more than one. I don't, I don't, did I tell you about... I, I can't remember if I've fucking spoken about this on the podcast, but I'll, I'll put it in my book. There was this bloke that used to come up when I was DJing. I, I was DJing in this gay club playing 80s upstairs in the Scala. And uh, there was this bloke come up. He would come up every fucking week. He'd be pissed out of his head. <laughs> but he was always there on his own, right? And he'd come up. We, you know all these people that talk with their eyes shut? <laughs> yeah. Right? So he'd have his eyes shut. He'd be stood there in front, of the, in front of the DJ booth and he'd go, Can you please play Sweet Dreams by the Eurythmics? I wish people could see your face right now. <laughs> like with his eyes shut. And, uh, Why I, am I picturing Sweet Chuck from Police Academy? Yeah, it kind of... <laughs> Yeah, if you imagine like him going to a fancy dress party as Jarvis Cocker. Right, okay. And uh Can you please play Sweet Dreams by the Eurythmics? And so when I went, oh, yeah, all right, mate. Because the thing is, I'd have the stuff that I was going to play anyway. And if someone yeah. asked something that I was going to play anyway, I'd always say, yeah. yeah. If it was something, I'd, you know, something you might, might sometimes play, I'd say, yeah. yeah. And if it was something you'd never fucking play, I'd just be honest with them. But they don't like it when you're honest with them. No, just do what I do and just go... Yeah, yeah, I'll try and get that on later. Yeah, but then they keep, they just fucking keep coming they back, do, don't they? Right. Yeah, but then I hopefully hope I've changed over with another DJ. They don't have to pick up the pieces. 
That's a good system. It is. So, this, yeah, this bloke would come and go, can you play Sweet Dreams by the Youth every fucking week with his eyes shut? And then when I went, yeah, yeah, all right, mate, yeah, I'll play that, he'd go, yes, yes! Like that, like, you know, like he'd fucking won the World Cup or something. Like he just ejaculated. Yeah, like he won the World Cup of ejaculation. And and so another week, I had this bloke come up and he just kind of let himself into the DJ booth. Cause, I have an issue with that. Because, no, yeah, me too, yeah. right? Hashtag me too, right? <laughs> so he's just fucking let himself into the DJ booth and he's just stood there, like just sort of swaying a bit. And, you know, you think, he's had a few. Yeah. So I've gone, you all right then, mate? Uh, and he's Australian. He's gone like, yeah. And just fucking stood there, like, swaying. And I'm like, can I get you a song or something? He's like, nah, you're right. <laughs> you think... Loving the confidence of this. You know, you think, what are you actually fucking doing in here? You've and had I, a drink. And so, I've gone, sure, I can't play you a song or something. And he's just turned around, he's gone to me, can I suck your cock? <laughs> <laughs> and I've just... I'm loving his confidence. <laughs> I've just gone to him, listen, mate, there's hundreds of people out there. They'd love to have their cock sucked. And he's gone, I can suck a cock for hours. <laughs> so well, there's plenty of people out there that, that like that kind of thing. Why don't you go and find one of them? And he's gone, but yours is the hottest cock in here. All right, get out. <laughs> So this this fucking <laughs> I reckon probably a couple of months I've, I didn't see I didn't see him again for yeah. fucking months and then a couple of months later I've seen him and sweet dreams by the Eurythmics go behind the curtain and they was behind there for fucking ages like yeah, absolutely fucking hours, ages mate. right and in the break it, like <laughs> in the you know the little fucking false ending in um i've been losing you by a half yeah you've heard from behind the curtain yes yes like that right and then fucking he's come out and suck a cock for hours has come out behind him wiping his mouth i You'd... mean it's a marriage made in heaven now yeah you do the math he likes to yeah chow down for a couple of hours and he obviously likes getting overexcited about stuff. Yeah. Win-win. Good luck to him. Yeah, perfect match. Speaking of wins, in at number five, Aussie's dream. Spurs are on their way to Wembley. Did you like that? You were an Arsenal fan, weren't you, as a I kid? I was, but I went to Spurs games. Oh, really? Yeah, my uncle took me to Spurs games. So I, how did you end up being an Arsenal supporter then? I remember when I was, like, really young that... I don't know why. I just, like, read. So I think I just supported Arsenal for that. Um, but I remember my granddad was West Ham, and I remember like having a bet with him for the 1980 FA Cup final. So that was probably my earliest memory, and obviously Arsenal lost that. And then my uncle would take me to some football matches. So I saw Ricky Villa score that goal. No. Like, I was at that, and I was at... Was that the one that had the replay? Because I went to QPR, was it Coventry? And there was a Man City one. And one was a replay as well. Ricky, Ricky Villa scored the goal in the... Man City. In... Wasn't that in the FA Cup replay? Yeah. So I went to both of them and I went to the, was it QPR or Coventry, other FA Cup final? And I went to a... Did a, Coventry beat Spurs? Or did Coventry beat remember, Man City? I can't remember. But I've still got all the programmes. And so I used to go, like, he'd take me to, like, occasional games. It was yeah. just like, and at the same time, my uncle 
was the chairman of Colchester United. I didn't know that. How come you've never fucking said that? And so, have I never told you about my Spurs stuff? No. Right, so my other uncle was the chairman of Colchester United. Right, can I just warn everyone, this is the bloke whose dad was 2-1-B medical (laughs) droid. (laughs) So, the Colchester United thing, this does sound like the 2-1-B medical droid, (laughs) but uh, that uncle was like the rich great uncle that we didn't really know because like my nan's family all fell out and there was loads of them. But he had a Rolls Royce. And he lived in like uh he lives where my my folks live now. Yeah. Like which back then was like quite a, a, yeah, a yeah. lardy place yeah. to live. And yeah, and so he used to take me to some games. And I used to go in like a Rolls Royce. So I was probably about fucking eight. But we'd go in there and like and I'd get like sit in the, the, the stand. There was only like there weren't many people there as far as I remember. It was like Colchester United but like fourth division or something like that. But I remember they'd like give you like, a blanket and soup and stuff like that, and you sit there. And it was like, and at the time, Perry Groves played for Colchester. Oh, really? Like, obviously, then went on to play for yeah. Arsenal. But uh, but yeah, I do remember like that team, that Spurs team of like Villa, Ardiles, Archibald, Chris Hughton, Hoddle, Hoddle, um, pre-Waddle, pre-Mabbott. Uh, so it would have been who else? Perryman. Yeah. Uh, trying to think who else. Garth Crooks. Um, who was in goal then? Was it Ray Clements? It was probably Clements. Managed by Keith Birkinshaw. Was it Birkinshaw? Oh, I think I don't managed know. him then. Uh, and then, yeah, it was really weird. Like, I just sort of. And they were a fucking great team. And obviously, it was all in and around. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When was the Falklands? Well, this is what I was thinking. It was like, Aussie's dream was obviously 81. Yeah. And everyone's like, fuck, we was love the this. Falklands 82? Yeah, we love yeah. this little guy. He's like Manuel from Faulty Towers, but he's like the best footballer you've ever seen. And then they invaded the Falklands. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I've never really looked into like, uh, I'll tell you what I've just seen, uh, the label that that come out on. Oh, yeah, it was fucking Rockney Records, wasn't Rockney it? Rockney Records. Yeah, because yeah. it was a Chaz and Dave, Chaz and Dave, yeah. 
Um, Swords of a Thousand Men at number six. I fucking I love a bit of ten pole Tudor. Yeah, I remember being in your car and you, you always had that and a bit of Wonderbar. I on. did like a bit of Wonderbar's <laughs> quite an urgent record, isn't it? I I ain't heard that since you played it in your car. I, I mean, to say how long ago that was, it would have been on cassette. Wonderbar was one I I see. I, I would I, I think I saw Swords of a Thousand Men on top of the pops when I was a kid, and I think I see Wonderbar. I definitely remember Wonderbar from being a kid. But I only kind of retrospectively knew about the link with the Sex Pistols and, and what have you. Do you remember throwing the baby out with the bathwater? That was their other one. No, I don't remember that. I supported them. Did you? Yeah. Where was that? The brush? Yeah. Uh, and it was... I think Tudor Pole was doing Crystal Maze then. Oh, really? And they'd gone out and on, on tour again. And uh, it was really weird because he wasn't particularly nice to us. He was like... And um, we went in the, the the backstage room um, before they were going on, and he he had a proper hissy fit, and like was like get out, and like and had like, you all set fire to your nuts and eaten all their rider? <laughs> I don't think we'd done anything that bad, but yeah, I remember just thinking, oh, you arsehole. Uh And then at the end of the night, he sort of come up and said goodbye and stuff like that. And I, I mean, that would have been. 94, maybe? Yeah. And then I saw him in 2008, maybe, uh, at the Rolling Stones. Uh, um, uh, what's the big rugby ground in London? Uh, Twickenham. Twickenham. Uh, I went to see the Stones at Twickenham, and as I was walking round, I see a Tudor pole. And... Uh, and he looked at me, and I just went, hello. He went, bloody hell, hello. Like, I ain't seen you for years, have I? I was like, no. And he went, pink toothbrush. And I went, yeah. I know Fucking hell. Went, bloody hell. Like, considering that he just looks like he's pretty spaced, like, he went, bang, straight away. And, like... I, I played... Um, it was either before him or after him on one of the rebellions. I was going to say, you must have seen him doing the old punk rounds and that. No, no re- weirdly, not as much as, you, as you'd kind of think, but I, I played... Um, he, he was doing a, doing a solo set at Rebellion, and I played either before him or after him one time. I got a little fucking selfie backstage. Now, but he was, good, he was good as gold. Yeah. And yeah. then I went... Um, uh, I'm trying to think... Oh, this guy, Brad, from this punk band Monkish, it was his birthday... Um, and it was in a little venue along um, Holloway Road, and um, Tudor Pole got up and played um, Swords of a Thousand Men with, oh. with his band. It, it was fucking great. It was really good. Because I think, I think my first time I knew he was, I probably had heard maybe them and not paid attention to them two singles. It was... Great rock and roll swindle. He yeah. was doing Who Killed Bambi and seeing him pushing that over around yeah. and, and just looking mad. Like I think that was probably like the earliest memory I have of of who he was. Like I, I, I kind of I, I sort of caught on to him just because Wonderball is one of them things that if you see that on top of the pops, it's, it's unusual, just, isn't it? It's fucking it's unusual, isn't yeah. it? I used to love them them kind of left field things that just yeah. left a bit of an impression. You as a kid, you don't know what they fucking are, but. Yeah. Right, so um, just looking what else we've got. Climbing up to 12 from 15, Sand of the Crowd, Human League. That's a great record, isn't it? That's one of my me, me Human League favourites, that yeah. one. Yeah. 
I like that bit. I, you know, like, it's got a big fucking rousing chorus. Like, I, I feel like the verse is like, feels like it's leading up to something. Yeah. And you've got a big fucking rousing chorus. And then when all the words are gone, you've got them synth strings. Mm. Like, one of my favourite 80s kind of sounding synth strings. Yeah, bloody good. Well, I mean, whilst we're, we're talking about the 80s and, 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 and good songs, um, Nick Kamen died uh, since we last recorded. Yeah. That's sad. He is, isn't it? Yeah, um, I mean, I love that single. Yeah. You didn't, did you? No, it was all right, yeah. Like, um... It, it was better than Owen Paul. <laughs> did I tell you when I saw Owen Paul? Yeah, you, did he fall off the stage? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so I only realised in the wake of Nick Kamen's passing, because we, you shouldn't underestimate, like... The cultural impact of that Levi's advert, it was like, it was it so made a huge, big, Yeah, it? it made a big fucking mark on the 80s, isn't it? Yeah, and like, and he was just different level handsome, wasn't he? He was a, a fucking ridiculously good-looking bloke. I mean, I mean, the fact that Madonna fucking seeks him out with a song just so she can fucking sit astride him. Yeah. Yeah, which, whether that's true or not, it does kind of sound like that might have happened. I mean, is there... I mean... That's not a bad day out, is it? Like, oh, I'm just this super famous person. Oh, hang on, who's that on the phone? Oh, it's Madonna. Like, she wants to give me a song that didn't quite make it on the True Blue. And like, yeah, I think it's a really good little pop song, that. And and I think, yeah, that kind of Papa Don't Preach era Madonna. Yeah, it's up there, isn't it? Oh, it really is. Ruddy bloody hell. Um, a few other songs that we've, we've spoke about already. Stray Cats, Madness, Grey Day. It was dropping down at the, that point. Um, yeah, nothing else really to sort of... Do you like a bit of Betty Davis eyes? Not really. Do you not? Do you? Um, yeah, I kind of do, yeah. It's that kind of croaky voice that should have stayed in the seventies. It didn't yeah, it have is. really a place in the eighties. No, I know what you mean. It is a seventies. It's, it's a seventies. It's a seventies voice, but they did put that little eighties synth yeah. on. Beep, 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 but then beep, again, beep, I say that that raspy, croaky voice beep, from beep, the seventies that don't need a synth. Tyler, give her a synth. Yeah. You know, one of the biggest selling hits, one of the biggest selling singles ever. Was it? Yeah. Turn around. But um, also, in the time that, um, since we've recorded, Jim Steinman's died as well. He wrote Ooh, that, didn't he? He did write that amongst a lot of songs. Do you like any of his stuff? Um, I do quite like Totally Clips of the Heart. Yeah, I, I like Totally Clips um, of the Heart. But Meatloaf, I'm no fan of. Is it because he's a cunt? Meatloaf or, or Jim Steinman? No, because uh, Meatloaf's a cunt. Or, or is it like, is it, it's a bit kind of overblown, I mean, it, it, theatrical yeah, kind of rock, isn't it? It's different level overblown theatrical rock. That's And it doesn't shy away from being that. Yeah. But if it's not your bag, it's just not your fucking bag, is it? I mean, I know a lot of people that think uh, Bat Out of Hell is an absolute masterpiece. I wouldn't give a shit if I never heard it again. Like, no, it don't really, it don't really fucking do it for me. But I don't know. Do you, do you like Deb Ringer for Love? Nah, nah. I see. I don't mind that as a as a as a duet. Don't start slagging him off, lure me in to just go. Yeah, I don't like him either. And then go, oh, don't you? Oh, I quite like this one. Yeah, I think Jim Stein was something of a genius. You know, it's a sad you're disrespecting him like that on this podcast. <laughs> you are a <laughs> Dread to think what his family are going to save him barely cold. 
Oh dear! Um, making your mind up by the fees, he's making its way out the charts. Oh, climbing to uh, to twenty five from thirty four. Chariots of Fire by Vangelis. Load of blokes in PE kits bombing along on a beach. Gives you would. Like, do you know what? You said you weren't going to get turned on on this podcast. <laughs> I I remember being really excited to watch that film, and I remember thinking the only thing that was any good was the Vangelis song and that bit bombing along the beach. I mean, I should watch it again now because I haven't watched it since I was probably seven. Yeah, and well, it's good to keep those opinions, isn't it? I think so. People change too much in this yeah, world, don't they? Everyone's exactly. too pliable. Exactly. Yeah. Um, is is Crawford pocket calculator in there anywhere? Uh, no. Um, oh, so uh, oh, I tell you what's starting to climb up in the charts. Buddy talk, <laughs> buddy talk. He was a sexual man, wasn't he? Who's who's that? Is that imagination? Yeah, yeah. Lee John. He was just a sexy guy, wasn't he? If you're gonna go on top of the pops, pop on some kind of like gold. I don't even know what you'd call it. I had um. This bloke, uh, this bloke used to go. Oh, pocket calculator. Sorry, it, it was at number forty-eight. Oh. Well, thanks for interrupting what I was going to say with the thing I was talking about <laughs> five minutes ago. Sorry. <laughs> I had this uh, where I used to go and do a lot of boot sales and record. In a number forty-seven. Go, you cunt! <laughs> where, where? Oh, he's such an arsehole. Where I, where I used to go and do a lot of boot sales and. Um, uh, record fairs and stuff to buy. Well, you weren't flogging, was you? No, no, no. Yeah. always, always fucking buying, never fucking selling, and uh, just accumulating loads of stuff to suck yeah. my mum's loft now. And uh, uh, there, there was this bloke at school who was really into imagination, and uh, so I used to kind of like, look out for imagination records. I remember I got this signed, like signed best of. And on the front of it, they were all wearing, like, different colour bin bags. One of them was wearing, like, a blue one. One was wearing a yellow one. One was wearing a red one. It was like, yeah, it was, it was good look. I mean, bin men, if you're listening, like, <laughs> ramp it up a bit. You probably get more of a tip at Christmas. Well, exactly. They're all on strike at the moment. Fucking, this would be a good gimmick for them to recreate that imagination cover. There you go. Yeah, get a bit bin of notice. Men, literally use your imagination. Uh, and empty our fucking bins, you feckless cunts. <laughs> Come on, get on with it. <laughs> um, In all seriousness, though, should should be men be getting a pay cut at this time? No. No, of course not. They've been out fucking dragging their arses around, cut, carting all their shit away all the way through coronavirus. I'll tell you what, let's cut their pay. Cunts. Can you grab us another beer? <laughs> I don't think you need another one. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I have one anyway. Um, Juice Newton. Um, see, I'd, who done? Just call me Angel of the Morning. Don't know. See, I, I don't know who's. Uh, Juice Newton is in a uh, 49 with this. Um, so maybe it was Juice Newton. But I just, What's I was, it called? 
Angel of the Morning. For some reason, I just thought it was like Chrissy Island or something like that, but, you know. I've never heard of that. Just call me Angel of the Morning, Angel. Just... It's a, sort of ringing a bit of a bell now. Yeah. Don't know if it was your initial rendition. Yeah, sorry. Where's the... Passes uh, the big cock. I've got to get the top office. The big cock. Bottle opener. There you go. Um, oh, uh, in at 54. Um, Norman Bates by Landscape. Do you know that? My name is Norman Bates. I'm just a normal guy. Uh, yeah, there's not really. Is there anything else that you've you've pulled out that you'd like to, to um, talk about? Yeah, I, I did have a couple. I did have a couple actually. Um, I, I Kim Wilde's Checkered Love. See, I don't think I know that. That was at number five in this one. No, four. It, it it's got the same kind of beat as uh, Kids in America, but it's it's a proper like because her old man kind of co-wrote all the songs. It's hmm. a proper rock and roller, and um. I don't know, I just thought it was a bit wafty, actually. I, I was just wondering, like, do you think she done anything that come close to kids in America? Uh, see, back then, I've got tiny memories of, like, was it Cambodia? Yeah, that sort of sounds a bit like an ABBA sort of yeah. song. Yeah, and then it was like, what was the second, like, resurgence of Sexy Kim? What was it? You Came. I, I, you do you know, I wrote came. that. What else was there? Um, well, Keep Me Hanging On was in between them, wasn't it? But yeah, that was a that cover. Don't so count. The, the cover's not count. Did she do one with Junior? Oh, what the fuck Another was that called? Step closer to you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've not heard that probably since then. Um, you saw her a little while ago, didn't you? Yeah, I went, I went to see her in Ipswich with Andy. Yeah. And, uh, do you know, it was fucking brilliant. And, like, it felt like. Like she done a done you know done a few new songs and, and went through the back catalogue and that wearing a black leather cat suit. Andy said it looked like Barbarella had gone to Greg's. Which I thought, <laughs> thought that was a little bit harsh actually. So I thought she looked quite tidy and 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 uh. <laughs> oh, that's really mean, but really fucking funny. <laughs> Oh dear! No, right, I thought I, she looked quite tidy, and it was good. Yeah, it was a good show. But she was bloody ruddy, lovely. Yeah. Uh, what anyway, was the other one? You went from sexy Kim. Was there? I was going to say, like, fun, funnily enough, uh, Muscle Bound by Spandau Ballet, and them again, their debut single, Cut Long Story Short. Is, <laughs> is there anyone else? I think Kim and Spandau Ballet. Anyone else who's released a, a debut single that's, that they've never fucking topped? You can't just drop that on me now. No, I know, but I I haven't properly thought it through either. Oh. Yeah, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. But I just can't think. No, I'll edit it out. I'll edit it out. But yeah. No, you ain't got to edit it out. No, I will. Like, no, I don't want you to. Well, you're just going to look like someone that can't think of things off the top of your head. (laughs) Right, we're done with music. Yeah. Well, I'm going to look at TV, and um, oh, do you know what? Before we get on to that, I want to touch on something else, because I did make a note um, when we, we spoke about the Human League sound of a crowd, to talk about crowds. Yeah. Uh, and gigs that we've played. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, we've, we've played in gigs together. Uh, yeah. One which I think we, we could probably talk about. 
Uh, <laughs> for the rest, maybe not so much. Yeah, and I mean, have we spoke about on this podcast the one that you played with Andy uh, at the theatre where it started up full, at a, a kind of com- a comedy night or a kind of open mic night, and then by the time you'd filmed it as well, <coughs> and by the time you'd finished, literally everyone walked out. They, they, it started so that weren't an open mic night. That was like I remember seeing in in the Thurrock Gazette, the local paper, um, alternative comedy night. Yeah, and I mean um, that was on a stage that I'd always wanted to play and still have never played. Yeah, 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 and like it, it was, you know, like it, what, it was a cinema that we used to go and watch films in as a kid, wasn't yeah. it? And like holds old, a couple of hundred people, yeah. and they'd never let us fucking play anywhere like that. And so, like all the gigs we'd had up until then were like horrible little working men's clubs yeah. and just like sort of slightly threatening pubs. And so, um, yeah, see this advert, alternative comedy night at the Thameside Theatre. So you're like fucking hell. So. I just rang it up and said, like, we're an alternative comedy act. Just didn't ask what we were called. Didn't ask what we didn't ask what we did. Yeah. But um I just said, you know, we've played like you know, we played at working men's clubs and pubs and stuff. And she said, um, so um we've got a free spot headlining or comparing. What do you want to do? So we went, Alright, we'll headline. <laughs> and so we were just headlining this fucking alternative comedy night. And um, you know, I think this is gonna be brilliant. And then we got there. No, it was awful. It was just it was just full of like people that went to the Thameside Theatre, just like lots of old grannies in fucking you know in their best gear and that. And um, can you remember what songs you played? Yeah, well, I said to Andy because we didn't know what it was going to be like. I said we'll put the set in escalating order of rudeness. So we start off with like what do we start off with? Like fish fingers, and then like my knob, my ass, and then uh, finishing up with like the bloke at the garage, fuck the sheep which we was doing then and, and finishing on Take That of Cunts. And um, I said, like, so we can stop the tape at any time, yeah. you know, and uh, and kind of, you know, take our bow. And it become really evident after about two or three songs. The, the fucking... <laughs> after two or three bars of fish fingers. <laughs> <laughs> but the acts, the acts that was on before us, there was like, um, the first act was this disabled bloke in a tuxedo singing Any Dream Will Do. And then the act after that was just some bloke riding around the stage on a unicycle in his underpants, breaking polystyrene cups on his head while reciting the alphabet. See, there's alternative comedy and it's just being shit. It was just like a really weird mix of stuff. It just sounds like the closing credits of Phoenix Nights. (laughs) That's exactly what it was like. (laughs) That's exactly what it was like. And so um, when we come to get on, the compare was on... um, uh, roller skates, of course. Zany. And uh, yeah, and and um, Andy said he recognised a lot of a blockbuster video advert. And she like, so she come on and she introduced us, and then she's gone to skate off. And I made like a really offhand comment. It was a couple of weeks after that Tory politician had been found with a tank tangerine in his mouth, dead of a strangle wank. And, and so I made a really offhand comment about it. She just looked really embarrassed and just kind of exited the stage. And then we've just kind of started our set. And people really hated it, like quite quite early into the set. And every time, <laughs> every time I announced a new song title, um, I'd go like, "This is one about the uh, the boy who broke his cock." Everyone would just kind of like you just see about thirty people get up and walk out. And we started up, we like started off with like two hundred and fifty people or whatever in this theatre, and ended up with about twenty. And so we just went for it, and we done the whole fucking lot. And like just before the end. There's this old couple sat in the front. They'd sat there all the way through it, and I actually felt really fucking bad for them. Like, you know, like him, him all in his dinner jacket and stuff, and like her in a nice dress. And I've got this one's called the bloke up the garage, fucked the sheep. And I've just seen him just 
tap her forearm like this and go like sort of nod as if to say we can go now <laughs> and they've just got up and, they've just got up, got up and walked out and that's as, why you're the most controversial <laughs> bad in the world and they all felt really horrible though but as they're walking out our mate Steve he's just fucking sat there and uh, on the video you can hear him go blow up the garage fucked a sheep yeah I like this one <laughs> Yeah, we finished up with about 20 people in there, and they give us a stand innovation at the end. Yeah. The ones that were left. Well, it's, uh, have we ever discussed the, 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 the gig that was our big moment? Our big break? Yeah. And it really legitimately felt like that, didn't it? What, the Hollywood's Romford? Yeah. Yeah. Have we spoke about that on this podcast? No, yet? I don't think I don't think we've actually properly spoke about it. Like, because it's one of them stories that, you know, We've spoke about a lot to our, you know, and reminisced with our pals that were there and yeah. stuff like that. But to give you some kind of context, and, 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 and you know, what happened was we we was in a, you know our, our first band together, and we played like our college, uh, and we I don't even know if we played. We we done two we done two gigs. We done the college where we just used to knock around yeah. and weren't really on a course, yeah. but just hung around the. the I was on a course. Yeah, well, you got one eventually, didn't you? Just, but only because they said you'd had to be, had to be on a course, otherwise you wouldn't be allowed to hang around there anymore. <laughs> and, and yeah, and just for the record, you, what did you do? Motor mechanics. Yeah. Couldn't change a fucking tire, and my dad's cousin, who was your tutor, sent him to near enough a fucking nervous breakdown. I saw him like twenty years later at a family reunion, <laughs> and he went, "Your mates be tarmac wanker." <laughs> He had like this nervous twitch just at the thought of you. <laughs> really made me laugh when you told me that. So we oh. had that. We that was that was the first gig when yeah. I had a college, and then there was another one Where? At, at the Roundacre. Oh, of course, yeah. And then so we'd done two gigs. Neither of them had had a proper PA. We were just playing through amps and probably plugging like a microphone into an amp. Yeah, that so must have sounded. Fucking horrific. Yeah. Because there was a lot of us in the band as well. Yeah, it was about, four, for mics about and, 14 people. Yeah. Like most, it was about eight people just squabbling over two microphones. And they, they would have been like plastic mics that probably cost about a tenner out of like Woo! candy. It would have <laughs> Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Fucking terrible. Um, and then we'd gone to... I mean, you might have to help me out here, but I know that we'd started going to this club night 
uh, at Hollywood in Romford. They'd opened a new indie night, uh, and, and we'd gone there, and there was the, the resident DJ was a, a bloke called Big Bold Brad, uh, and, and Hollywood's was like this like super kind of successful big house club. Yeah, it was, was just like, a big glossy mainstream yeah, club, wasn't it? And, who, who, you know, who tried to kind of cash in on the the indie thing yeah. with a with a Monday Monday night, wasn't it? it was, yeah, it was a Monday night, and and the DJ was Big Bold Brad and uh, Radio One's Bruno Brooks. Which is insane. You, you can't say Radio 1's Bruno Brooks without starting it off with pint-sized cunt, Radio 1's Bruno Brooks. And he really was. And so I remember when I went in there, like, someone had asked me if I'd go and speak to Brad because I think I was I was DJing at the toothbrush. And, like, and they were like, oh, you're an indie DJ, go and speak to Brad. Can you remember this? And like, Because he didn't know what to play, and he was asking me about what records to play. Yeah, fucking hell, yeah. And so I was going, oh, yeah, you know, stick a bit of Rage Against the Machine on, or Blind Melon, or whatever it fucking was then. Uh, it was all that. It was, yeah. Uh, and then, and then for some reason, I had a conversation with Bruno Brooks, and then the following week, can you remember this? The following week when we went there, as I walked in, I had like, a little yellow kind of woolly hat on. And he went, as we walked in, he said something over the mic when I come in. He went, oh, here's Stu, the blah, 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 just joined, come in the building. Oh, Bruno. Yeah. And I remember thinking, that's weird. And like, probably quite liked it. And like, and then I went and spoke to him that night. You know what my mum thinks happened on that night? Well, don't you, you you made that no worse. No, I did. I, I didn't. My mum thinks that Bruno bummed you for a gig at Hollywood's. But you didn't go out. You didn't at any point say he didn't. Well, I wasn't right. sure that he definitely didn't. Well, of course he didn't. And like, and then all I remember is your mum, like, literally not pulling me aside, but just kind of like Bruno pulled you aside, worryingly asking me if everything was all right, and it was just <laughs> like, yes, show me on the doll where he touched you. <laughs> <laughs> but I then remember my home phone rang, and my dad went, Bruno Brooks is on the phone, and I remember just going, all right, Jill, yeah. and like, <laughs> and he was going, nice, no, Bruno Brooks. And obviously, we'd never met anyone famous. No. And I was like, holy shit, like Bruno Brooks is phoning me up. Uh, and he was like, do you want to do this gig? And I was like, yeah. And like, and so we got this gig. Am I remembering this right? I'm sure. This it, it, is- it all sounds, yeah, I, I, I'm not 100% sure, but it all sounds reasonably plausible, you know, from the bloke whose dad was 2-1-B that Bruno Brooks phoned you up at home. No, he did. Uh, that hundred percent happened, uh, and so we got this gig, uh, and I remember just like us going back to like knocking around at college that day, like we'd just been announced that we was playing like the Pasadena Bowl or something. Yeah, but like that, that was for it? It? and it like, was Bruno Brooks off the radio. Yeah, and we was going to play to like a nightclub that was going to have eight hundred people in it. Some people, yeah. yeah some, <laughs> yeah. I bet it was fucking <laughs> packed when we got there. Yeah. So we got there. And we sat, we got a sound check, and I remember, like, the vocals went into, like, a PA system, and it was just like, I remember sound checking, and we've spoke about it a lot, that we thought we sounded great, didn't we? It sounded, it sounded fucking amazing. Yeah. It sounded fucking amazing. I think but, collectively, with, like, maybe, like, 30 years of post-band experiences since, I'd like to go back and 
like revisit that and check just how incredible it no, sounded. No, it sounded fucking amazing. The, the, the trouble is, I think it sounded amazing with no one there watching it. So I remember being like super excited and we had like a lot of people come down to watch us because we was playing this gig as well. Like, and it was a busy night anyway. So like, I remember just thinking, fucking hell, this is it. And I mean, you wore a 1980s Liverpool football kit yeah, like an eight-year-old kid's nineties <laughs> Liverpool football kit. You you had on a black spangly ladies' top uh, with uh, a syrup and ladies' leggings. You like you looked they like were gold glittery leggings, weren't they? Yeah, it was that, really and the, the top had a sheen as well. Yeah, it weren't nice. No, it was a good look. Uh, yeah, and uh, I mean that. Uh, the thing is, we just thought it was just being funny. Yeah. We was. We had another mate who had a balaclava on a T-shirt that said, "Don't mess with the SAS." Written on it. Oh, Dem was wearing uh, Lil's peach nineteen eighties wedding dress, wasn't he? Yeah. John Moon had like this kind of proper nineteen eighties woman's like kind of diamante dress. Oh, like a ladies' dinner dress. Yeah, with like the the fucking full length gloves. Yeah. His brother. Oh no, but uh, uh, tops off with a a car rear view mirror around his neck. Oh, fucking hell. Uh, Jell, uh, who had, had, had long hair, decided that it would be a good idea to let us shave off all of his long locks. With, but with a Hitler sweepover. Just with, like... It was more Bobby Cholton, wasn't it? It was, like, about probably six inches of, yeah. like, one line of hair yeah. that just fell down over his like, the side of his head. But what <laughs> it was flipped over to cover was a cock and balls that we <laughs> shaved, shaved on the head. top. And I remember when he come on stage in front of his, his then-girlfriend... Uh, he just sort of took that hat off, and she obviously just looked like thoroughly a, fucking disappointed. She looked like a little bit inside of a dive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that look of disappointment is something that most of our kind of partners over the years have. I'm used to that look. Yeah, just that kind of like, oh right, okay. I suppose you think that's funny, didn't you? Yeah, that's uh, yeah. That look that says, "Why did you have to spoil things?" Joe <laughs> yeah, exactly. was a very handsome bloke, wasn't he? And we, yeah. we just egged him on to shave all these. He had like these George Best locks, didn't they? I don't think we had to egg him on that much. Go on, Joe. All right. Will people laugh? Yeah. <laughs> people Will I get a on... microphone? You have to fight for it, but yeah, you'd be in the room. <laughs> um, and yeah, and, and then we did walk out onto the stage, and then when we started the song, it all sounded terrible, didn't it? Yeah, you just you couldn't hear the microphones, mm. could you? Like, and if you're a comedy band wearing what we've just described, unless you can hear the joke, it ain't funny. Yeah, I, I suspect that Bruno sabotaged us because we didn't we didn't sound check with any of the stuff that we were going to do, did we? We didn't tell him we were going to do take that cunts, did we? Well, I think we sound checked with playing with myself. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's or Lord Lucan. Oh fucking hell! We might have said, but, but we we held something. we held back. We were going to surprise them. We take that cunts, but by that point, they'd, they'd cut the microphones, hadn't they? Yeah. And I I, I remember going over and just remonstrating him with because they were radio mics, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. And so they had control of the faders of the mics. Yeah. And me going, turn the fucking mics up, Bruno, and him going, but there's twenty thousand watts of power surging through there. And then, just, and then just going, like, going back over about two minutes late and going, t- 
turn the fucking mics up, Bruno. They can't hear us. And him going, there's 40,000 watts of power going through there. Just these random wattages of power. He was such a penis. Yeah. Uh, So we then had a disastrous gig, went backstage, smashed up the dressing room. Yeah, but that was only after... uh, I'm not gonna name. Off my stuff. I'm, I'm not gonna name. I'm not gonna tell saying by name, but but the youth the youth worker, who, <laughs> oh God, yeah. <laughs> the youth the youth worker who, who uh, attended the local college came up for the who, night. He'd always tried to be one of the lads. Oh, he tried to be one of the lads, and he was a good guy, wasn't yeah. he? But um, we come off stage all disconsolate about how bad the gig had been. Bearing in mind any other time that he'd been in and around us. We would have been doing ridiculous kind of like jackass style stuff. We've had dinkles out, and, and, and it sounds like you're you're making this all right. Like no, but it was <laughs> you know we was just we was just stupid teenage boys that you yeah. know go on, Joe, do that thing where you tuck your dinkle between your legs and all stuff like that. There'd be loads of stuff like that, but obviously we was all hyper and up for it. Meanwhile, we've just had our fucking well, uh, yeah, just well, all our all our dreams laying tattered. shattered. But he, he obviously thought it was quite anarchic and uh, and he enjoyed it. And when we come off stage, just went up the stairs and he was just... <laughs> he was just stood there with his cock out, going like, hey! Like his party face. <laughs> and he was like, put it away. <laughs> we stole the walkie-talkies as well, didn't we? Yeah, we, we were hell-bent on destruction after that. We, we, yeah. The dressing rooms got smashed up, didn't it's they? It's mad to think, like, because we weren't naughty kids, were we? But I do remember just being then, really. Cause it, it sounds so ridiculous, but it did feel like it spoiled everything. Yeah, it was Bruno, Bruno, it Bruno Brooks. Yeah, but you know, ultimately, I, I felt that feeling loads of times. But Bruno Brooks represented the establishment. And I think we represented innocent hopes and dreams. And that's what the establishment does. It just stamps on fucking people's hopes and dreams. But, you know, ultimately, we were just fucking rubbish. I think people would have rather have watched us have a bit of a laugh for free songs than listen to that fucking helmet. Do you know what I think that was all about, though? Bruno Brooks ruining our dreams. He was going out ramp for your turner, wasn't he? And she didn't have any feeling in her fanny after that pyrotechnic went off up her fuck flaps. And so he's just joylessly plugging away at her every night, her feeling nothing, no reaction at all. He's just trying really hard, you know, just to see Get some... An emotional reaction. Yeah, just see some kind of reaction. And he tries and tries and just gets nothing back. And so he decides he's going to ruin other people's enjoyment as well. That's what I think that's about. So that whole... Our dreams were shattered because of a malfunctioning front bum. Because of a, an accident on a BBC show. Speaking of BBC television shows, Points of View. Did you ever watch it? Yeah, I, I did. Quite why? Like- oh, why? Oh, why? <laughs> <laughs> it was just some interfering cunt, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, that just wanted to moan about something. And, and I'm sitting here now just thinking, who could be bothered? What, to write a letter into Points of View? Yeah, to complain about something. Well, if something's affected you that much, you know, why not write a letter about it? So it made me then think about letters and just being pathetic people. <laughs> uh, so we had a 
a, a local rag where we lived, and it was and it was really popular, wasn't it? People, everyone read that newspaper. Yeah. Uh, and people were in the letters page. It was like points of view. People would write in with. It was the same free interfering old cunts every week when it had some bee in their bonnet about yeah. something. And it was just. If you if you are a member of like a community group on Facebook, like your local town's community group, it was like that. Yeah. It was just someone complaining about kids doing wheelies on bikes in high streets and just just fucking knobheads. So you thought you'd be funny and write something in the style of that. Well, yeah, just uh, yeah. Got yeah. published, that's, didn't it? It did, yeah. So, what was the kind of context of the letter? <clears throat> well, it was it was an actual problem I had. Was like someone kept shitting. Why oh why oh why? <laughs> why oh why oh why? Does that bloke who lives around the close just up the road keep letting his dog shit on my grass verge, and I keep treading in it? You I, sad cunt! I, I am a fucking. I've always been just a magnet for dog shit. Honestly, I fuck, and as someone, I, I just tread in dog shit all the fucking time. Every time I go out for a walk, if I if I traverse one bit Still. of grass, yeah, yeah, to this day, I can't go out for a walk without treading in dog shit. Look where you're walking, you knob. Well, you know, I like to look at the surroundings. Who looks at the pavement all the time? So, yeah, I know I should. <laughs> so this this particular time. I used to do the graveyard shift at the club I spoke about earlier, and it would be two till five. So you'd have to leave at one o'clock. And I come out of fucking five to one to put my records in the boot, and I trod in dog shit in the dark, putting my records in the boot. So you're like, oh, it was all up the side of me fucking Dunlop Green Flash. And like, you just can't, you ain't got time to clean it off. So I had to go and put my fucking shoes in, like, in the porch and come, come out in a different pair of trainers. And so I thought, right, I'm just not having it anymore. And I think I, I know it was because the bloke who it was when I, w- I thought you just done it for a laugh. You're half serious about this. No, I did, uh, but I think all, <laughs> all the best things have some basis in reality. Yeah. But the bloke, I, I fucking know the bloke who is, and I saw him. He walked past me today, right? But I saw him one time. I was doing some shopping in Asda, and I saw him, and I just put a load of stuff in his trolley when he weren't looking, and he would have just gone the gone to the uh, How till. How long after was this? From the dog shit. No, about four or five years. <laughs> I wouldn't let it lie. So, so this this fucking dog shit incident was fairly fresh in my mind. Right. And so I wrote a letter into the local paper, and I thought no one's going to fucking sympathise if it's me, like DJing in a gay club. Yeah. So I made this story up that I had this this thirteen um, year old kid who had been doing a paper round and saving his money up from this paper round for weeks and weeks and weeks to buy a pair of Dunlop Green Flash. And he'd gone and bought them. And um, the first day he'd worn them, he'd gone outside and he'd stepped in dog's mess and they were ruined. <laughs> and it got published in the local paper and I was really, fu- I was really fucking pleased. I was really, so pleased. I was really, really fucking pleased. When, um, maybe like a few days later... Yeah. I'm just I'm just fucking walking around the supermarket and my phone's gone and I've picked it out and it's like, hello, this is so-and-so, chief fire officer. And I'm like, yeah, all right. Yeah, all right, Joe, stop mucking around. Yeah, all right, Roy. So, yeah, you know, and you're trying to think, who the fuck are you? I know it's, I know it's not, but I don't know who it is. So, yeah, like, yeah stop mucking around. And um, it quickly became evident it actually was. He said, I, I saw your um, saw your letter in the paper. I love. Uh, who is it? Who is it? Uh, oh. <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> this shit just got real. 
<laughs> that little kind of tweet, yeah. tweet that twist in your belly, and all of a sudden the smirk goes off yeah. your face, and it's like, I wish I hadn't done that. Oh no, <laughs> I was only having a laugh. <laughs> and um, so he, he said, um, I read your read your letter in the local paper about your boys' trainers. Yep. And I went, How did you get my number? He went, um, I phoned the paper and they gave me your number. So he said, um, we used Dunlop Blue Flash for our training exercises. You know, Dunlop sponsored us loads of loads of pairs of them. Um, what size is your lad? And I went, oh, really sorry. I said, I made that up because I trod in my, in my green flash. But you ain't got any of the 12 or 13, have you? <laughs> and he just went, no, we ain't got them that big. And you could just hear a little bit of him had died inside because he rung up to do something nice and he was just... You sport that. I just felt like a massive shit. You know, I think I've killed someone's faith in humankind just by exaggerating in a story. Blue Flash would be better than Green Flash as well. Oh, that's rare. what I was thinking. They're quite rare. Yeah, you got them in a 12. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I've just got a note of another couple of bits before uh, we, we start to sort of wrap things up. Have we spoke about when we phoned up the record label on here? No, I don't I don't think so. So, how old was we then? You was driving, so I reckon you was maybe 17 and I was probably 16. Is that fair to say? Why are you, why are you making it sound like I'm, I'm the one that led us out <laughs> into the woods and you just kind of come along with it? <laughs> no, but, no, I just remember because obviously your car was important in it. No, uh, you're making it sound like... And he said, just get your dinkle out. And I didn't know why I was doing it. <laughs> didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> well, all I remember is it was at the time when New Kids on the Block were the biggest band in the world, right? Yeah, so we'd, 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 probably, we'd probably have been about 18. Yeah. And so... There's people fighting wars at 18. There's there's a lot of... Yeah, we wanted to fight a war that particular day, didn't we? Yeah, but I don't think we was very mature. <laughs> no, I don't feel in retrospect. So why do you think that start... Who started that off? Well, we, I guess we was in the... Were we even sort of messing around with a the band then? It was obviously when yeah, it was we, just me and you, but, and obviously with Lee and Gal. <laughs> no, so that would have been... It probably would have been like, would it have been late 80s? Would have been like about eight, 89, I reckon, yeah. New Kids on the Block, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, we'd have been, we'd have been seven, seven, 16, 17, wouldn't yeah. we? And, That's um, why I think I was 16 and you'd just passed your driving test. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Like, and you said, get your dinkle out. I didn't really know why, <laughs> but I just done it because the big boys said do it. <laughs> but, um, so, we, we'd just started Serious Problem, haven't we? Yeah. And we were just recording it in Gal's bedroom, weren't we? Yeah, it weren't a thing, was it? We, we were just singing along with backing tracks and and stuff. Mm. Like, not even backing tracks we'd made ourselves, just like instrumentals and, and like, just little Casio keyboard things. Yeah, yeah. And um, so we decided that uh, because we was a band and we was pissed off with new kids on the block and all the attention they were getting, that we'd offer them out. Yeah. And so um, I can't remember how this came about, but I remember one Saturday... Um, I was working in the sweet shop. Yeah. And uh, me, me boss used to go upstairs in the afternoon and, like, you could just kind of go through to the back office, you know, and just sit there. If there was no one in the shop, you could yeah. just go and sit in the back office, you know, and cram a whisper into your face. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and um, 
I'd got the number for the New Kids on the Block's record label. <clears throat> and so I just rang them up. Well, I mean, was it a Saturday or was it an evening? I don't know. But I rang them up and someone answered. And so um, I said, hello. Um, I said, who would I need to speak to if I want to have a fight with the New Kids on the Block? <laughs> and she went, I'm sorry. I said, we, we're a band. We're called Serious Problem. And we're asking the new kids on the block for a fight. We're offering them out. And um, I told her that I told her that I didn't get any further than this initial lady. But she listened. I told her the date, um, and I told her where it was, Graystown Centre. The precinct. <laughs> and um, and so that was it. The date was set for us to have a fight with the new kids on the block. And we made some posters up, didn't we? Yeah, we, we, all... we all chose which one we was going to fight. Yeah. Oh yeah. We worked out who, who it yeah. was. You wanted Joey Tempest. No, I didn't. I wanted Donnie. No, you didn't. Fuck, you didn't want him, but you got him. But got him. everyone yeah. wanted Joey, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember, like, we'd done these posters, or you'd done these posters, where you'd kind of, like, we, we, when we went out and Bill posted them, didn't we? Didn't it that, say, are they tough enough? Yeah, it was something like that, and we'd prove otherwise. And yeah. And we was going to fill in them. Because it uh, didn't have our picture, and then the and one that we was yeah. fighting, so-and-so versus so-and-so, yeah. yeah. It was like a proper boxing event. Uh, and, and we was like, yep, and it's going to happen Greystown Centre, uh, it's something like, like 2 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. We thought we'd wait till the precinct was shut. Yeah, you didn't want too many people, like the kids seeing what, them yeah. getting a battering well, and that. It was going to go off, wasn't it? And, and I remember you come and pick this up. Like, I had a baseball bat, <laughs> just in case it properly went off. <laughs> and we had, we had vests on as well, because we were always, why did we always wear vests? <laughs> like, it was like fighting vests, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember, like, but I've got to be honest, when we were driving down there, I was thinking, oh, fucking hell, this is going to be... This is going to be shit. I've never told anyone, but I was shitting myself a little bit <laughs> in case they turned up. <laughs> like, I was thinking about the shame if, if like, we got kicked in by them. Oh, but if they would have turned up, I would have been like, oh, heck, we have you all grow up. Keep saying this. Right. And I do remember... Can, like, we, li- can we support you? Is that demo? <laughs> but I do remember, like, literally in your car thinking, like, right, focus mate because this could get a bit tasty yeah and thinking it was going to happen that yeah the biggest band on the planet were going to uh fly over uh, and then drive out to this shithole in essex to this local town but we, uh, we we went we walked around the town for like a good hour and a half didn't we with the baseball bats and yeah. that like there, it, there was like three or four girls that had just turned up can you remember <laughs> like these teenage girls had just sort of turned it's up in the posters seen the posters <laughs> Maybe the new kids on the block were going to turn up in Grace Precinct. Well, you had to tell them they'd shit themselves. Shit themselves. Remembering when we were young in the 80s. 